This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to another episode of OPI Talk. I'm your host, Steve Hilliard. The COVID-19 pandemic has shone a very bright light on the subject of air quality in confined spaces such as offices, other workplaces and public buildings. For employers and facilities managers, being able to demonstrate that all possible precautions have been taken to limit the transmission of airborne viruses will be critical in our return to some form of normality. And it presents a huge opportunity for our industry, in particular the reseller community. To find out more, I caught up recently with one of the leading experts in the field, the Global Market Director for Air Treatment at Fellows Brands, Mike Booth. So, Mike, good morning. Or good morning, Steve. Good afternoon, actually. Yeah. Welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of OPI Talk. I guess a lot of people in the industry, you know, possibly won't know you, you being in a marketing role for Fellows, but you've been with the company for, I think, just over 10 years, starting out as a as a humble marketing grad, and here you are, you know, a decade later, head of um, air treatment, global marketing director, you know, in probably a category which is one of the hottest in our industry right now. So that's been quite a quite a ride for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's been an incredible journey. It's been a, a privilege to be part of the organisation for for that amount of time, and I've really benefited as well from being able to, you know, work from some of our numerous global locations as well. So predominantly out of the UK, but also spent a couple of years working out of our French office and then two years out of our US office in Itasca as well. So feel lucky to have had that variety, but yeah, an incredible journey, especially the last 12 months. Now, I noticed looking at your LinkedIn profile, um, it was around early 2014 that your progression through the company took you into the air purification category. What was the you know, background to fellows getting into air purification all those years ago? Yeah, Great, great question. So really, you know, some of our early investigation into, into the air treatment category came as part of our, our workspace management or office ergonomics or office productivity, uh, as it was called, uh, when I first joined the company. And I spent my first year actually in the fellows organization as part of that business. And at that point, uh, we started to introduce our four zone approach that Louise Shipley talks about a lot. And, and one of the zones within that four zone approach is the sort of environmental conditions. And that's when we started to explore the category of air purification as part of organization and cleaning solutions. And we started to see this, this trend towards a focus on indoor environment quality and specifically indoor air quality. And that was really the start of our journey as a company uh, into this category. So it was a little over 10 years ago and air treatment continued to, to be part of, of that categorization within the company rather than being a standalone business unit. And then I think as we started to see it develop and we started to go into, into much more of our own developments and started to bring unique products to fellows to market and really start to segment our approach as well to various consumer groups. Uh, the decision was made, like you say, back in 2013, 2014, to break this away as its own standalone business unit. Uh, so I was lucky to be offered the opportunity to, to be the first one to really own that initially on a European level. And then it was back in 2017 when uh, my role changed into a global position. Um, and from that point, uh, since 2017, I've been overseeing this specific product category across across the globe for the organization and really over that time period we've just further solidified the the view of those different segments that we're recognizing and primarily our division there is is the sort of consumer 
audience of which there there is a significant market out there for these products consumer home consumers looking for solutions asthma allergy uh, or people just recognizing a greater need to invest in health and wellness but that certainly has also transitioned over towards personal space and shared spaces within uh, within commercial environments as well or, or broader shared facilities um, so we we've been and we've been lucky to to be able to help people in in both of those environments and the category has has grown healthily for us over that time period but there's no denying that this this pandemic situation has certainly amplified the need for the category and really put a magnifying glass over the subject in general let's talk about the pandemic as you raise it um you know if i think back 14 months or so to when you know the term covid was becoming widespread you know i i sort of laugh and i think about it now but we, we were told just to wash our hands and sing happy birthday twice and uh, the world would be fine and of course um it very quickly became evident that you know covid19 was was an airborne threat uh, more so than perhaps a, a surface threat i'm not, I'm not saying that uh, you know cleaning and sanitization is not important but uh, the airborne factor certainly became uh, extraordinarily critical. So what were your early observations and fellows' early observations, you know, of the situation as it evolved in the early days of the pandemic? And, you know, at what point did you think, crikey, we, we really have a, an opportunity here as a company and, and also as a, an industry to support, you know, consumers and, uh, and also domestic consumers? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you, you, you summarised some of the key points perfectly there. I mean, ultimately some of our early observations really work in parallel with the way that we saw this go across the the globe so you know first and foremost organizationally of course we started to feel some of the disruption that was taking place in china in terms of supply chain and operational challenges that that was bringing and then it was when it really started to to impact Italy, I think, was one of the first European markets where we started to see the numbers increase and and the media coverage that was coming out of of Italy in February, I think it was, was, you know, it was eye-opening, I think, for the world to see that. And then France closely followed and then really the rest of Europe beyond that point. And we started to see we start to see this increase in demand and interest in the product category almost immediately. And, and, and in the first instance, it was in more sort of unique application environments. You know, the, the dental sector, for example, were, were, was an industry that was particularly concerned. We have some representation there. And I think those sort of more medically aware environments were, were, were switched onto this pretty quickly. And then it just started to broaden out from there, really, whether it was uh, people concerned about office environments, education environments, any sort of you know, shared space, really. And, uh, and, and the demand you know, continued from that point. I think the really interesting point, and you, you touched on it just a moment ago, is you know, that it's important for me to say there is no silver bullet. I'm not going to sit here and say you know, a solution like ours is, is the single answer to, to this situation. But what has definitely been interesting to, to observe as this last 12 to 14 months has unfolded is just the mixed opinion from some of the most credible and reputable sources on the planet and how confusing that's been, quite honestly, at some at sometimes. You know, one of our early responses to this in terms of our marketing collateral and how we were engaging with, with our global leadership team and our global sales team was we started to use this phrase of the airborne threat is real. And that wasn't something, you know, we just coined ourselves. We were really attaching 
a few different sources of information to back up that statement. And one of those was uh, looking towards the global health authorities, the WHO, the the CDC, you know, other similar associations on a more country by country level. In the early stages, there started to be, ironically, there started to be some re-entry guidance that was published. It's kind of been on ice for quite some time now, but it was started to be published quite early on. And then just a vast amount of data and research from scientific institutes, credible academics from around the globe, but it still was quite inconsistent. And ASHRAE, which is really one of the the global leading voices on on anything related to HVAC, they they really give the main guidance in relation to system filtration and really uh, any sort of airborne issue. They said in April 2020 that um, it's highly likely that airborne transmission is a key component uh, and, and a key threat. But the CDC and the WHO really didn't acknowledge that. And it was almost ignored uh, or put to one side for the first three to four months of this really you know, impacting people. And it, it wasn't until July 2020 when there was a group of 239 scientists that came together. And some of these scientists led the writing of an open letter. The rest of the 239 scientists co-signed the letter. And this letter was titled, It's Time to Address Airborne Transmission of COVID-19. And that was a really influential statement to the world, really. And probably most people listening, you know, may not even be aware that that happened. But if you look at the events that unfolded after that letter was published, it was an immediate impact. It was really a a domino effect after that point. And that's when there was an increasing amount of pressure on the CDC, on on the WHO, on, on other similar organizations to really accept the reality and start to adjust the guidance and the prioritization of the various transmission routes. And the knock-on effect beyond that point was, I think it was as early as September, the CDC started to reorder the, the guidance and the, and the risk levels around different transmission routes. And that's when Airborne really jumped up to, uh, to being joint top of the list, direct person-to-person transmission, and then, and then Airborne. And this, this idea of six, six foot of distance or two meters of distance that we've you know, we've become so accustomed to, I think we all know what that looks like. We don't, we can't walk down the street without being conscious of that two meter gap. And it'd be interesting to see how long that lasts as well in the future. But uh, even those things came into question, you know, is there, is there really, if you're in an indoor environment, whether you're six feet away or 60 feet away, really, if something is airborne, is there that much of a difference? So that it was, it was good to see that be accepted and elevated as a true primary uh, concern as it relates to transmission. And at the same time, we started to see some of the guidance around surface transmission be reduced, not taken away. You know, there's a holistic hygiene strategy that's needed, but certainly some of this early obsession around surface surface transmission and surface cleaning did go away. And and that's what's really present in, in the guidelines right now. And as, as recent as just last week, there have been articles published where I think Bloomberg were, were one example that last week's talked about re-entering an office environment and the headline you know was something to the effect of show me your filtration not your bleach and it was you know basically saying you know it's much more interesting to look at your air strategy than your surface cleaning strategy but it's definitely important to keep that holistic hygiene plan in motion but air has uh, has just been elevated and elevated as as these 
as this pandemic has unfolded. There's no doubt. You recently introduced a new campaign aimed at um, informing, you know, the mainstream society about the other, the, the, the need for achieving clean air in sort of shared spaces, workspaces, public spaces. And you, know, you posed the question, is work ready for us? Well, you know, well, I would guess the answer, in your opinion, would be uh, it definitely isn't at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, we were definitely wanting to pose that question out there and really try to speak to a few different audiences as part of this. I think one of which is the, the people, you know, the actual employees, which was one of the decisions why we decided to take this out to more of a mass audience, because we think this is something that the general public deserve to be educated on and, and have certainly become more aware of over this period. I don't think we've heard the words ventilation and filtration on the 10 o'clock news as much ever before in our lives. So we definitely want to speak to that audience, but also speak to the the key decision makers, these task forces that have been given the challenge of how to get people safely back into these shared spaces, productively get people back into these shared spaces, and also do so in a way that provides that peace of mind at the same time. There's not just the actual operational changes that you can make but there's numerous studies out there that just indicate that there's a a certain level of uncertainty and anxiety in people's minds as they come back into these environments whether that's a parent sending children back into school an office worker coming back into that environment someone visiting a, a medical appointment or whatever the case may be I think we're all kind of questioning in our mind you know when is the right time and the best time to do that so the, the purpose really of the, of the campaign was to pose that question but also an- answer it at the same time and there's certainly this desire to kind of break back into normality you know with, with some of the early developments of the campaign creative we were talking around you know just to put a normal shirt on again and, and to find those shoes that you might have to dust off under the bed and kind of not hear the words you're on mute anymore on a <laughs> on a daily basis but also at the same time say you know we we might be ready for that but are, are these shared spaces truly ready and, and well equipped and poised for for us to be back into those environments and that's where we kind of come back to the idea of that you know the, the most prepared environments are really recognizing this need to address the, the ventilation issue the filtration issue and for us you know we, we truly believe that our Aramax Pro products can play a key role in helping with that process. I guess in a lot of cases, probably quite true in the UK, where we don't have air conditioning as, as quite quite as common as it is, say, in parts of the US. The the answer is, you know, open the doors, open the window. I know my, my granddaughter, when she went back to school last year, you know, they were told to wrap up with some extra layers because it was going to be cold in, in the classroom. A lot of buildings, of course, they don't have that um, facility, you know, I'm thinking of some more modern high rises that you know, may not have air conditioning, but also don't have windows. So I guess the sorts of solutions that you're talking about here are, um, are pretty critical. But I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot was made of the issue of travel last year and how unsafe it was to get on a train, how unsafe it was to, to get on an aeroplane. Uh, and there was a lot of research and a lot about the safety of air and the air quality on, on board an aeroplane and how frequently it's, it's recirculated. Um, and I guess the sort of products and solutions that you're putting forward now, you know, similarly clean and, and, um, and recycle and change the air uh, on a similar f- level of frequency. I mean, you, you raise a you raise a really interesting point because there is this perception, and, and I, you know, I'll admit I was of the same opinion. You know, I think if 
you know, many, many people listening are probably going through mixed emotions of whether we miss travel or don't miss travel. I think we've all benefited from some, some extra time at home, but are probably quite looking forward to some of that travel coming back, back into play again. And there's the idea if you're sat on a, an airplane, if someone sneezes a few seats away or, or rows away, you instantly start to feel dirty. It's the idea of we're sharing that air. And I think it's, it's, it's elevated more so than if that was in a, the same room together, or at least before the pandemic, that would have been the perception. But I think some of the, the major airlines have actually done a nice job in educating the market on the reality of how air works on, a, on an aircraft. And, and of course, this is the premium example, but the, the number of air changes that you get on an aircraft and the way that they mix that air with using a combination of outdoor air even at high altitude, and then high-end filtration, which is ultimately HEPA filtration technology, and changing that, that air as frequently as possible, you know, is key on an aircraft. And, and actually, it's pretty good. I think some of the risk really around travel and some of the concern is more so around the process. It's the mixing of countries and uh, and the risk of these strains that we're seeing has certainly played a role in it. But the process of getting to an airport, of going through those airport environments, it's a high touch, high share, high density, high footfall environment for sure. So I think that's where also some of the some of the concerns are coming. But yeah, the comparisons are, are really quite interesting. The idea ultimately of a good filtration solution is high air changes, which is ultimately how many times within a set period of time are you going to rotate the air in that room, either changing it from outdoor air to indoor air, which is what a typical building system will do, or recirculating that air through a, a set of good proven filters. And that's really our goal. I mean, we, what, what's unique about us is, you know, we have some proprietary technology that allows us to do that in a particularly smart way and how we communicate around that. But at the, the bare bones of this is about getting good air rotations through good filters. And that's really what all the experts are pointing towards. Now, if you look at the official guidance from the CDC in the US, ASHRAE in the US, we've got Reva, which is the kind of the voice of all things HVAC in Europe, SIBSI, even specifically on a UK level, you know, the, the Chartered Institute for Building Service Engineers, they're all pointing towards this idea that a localized HEPA filtration solution or high-grade filtration solution in the room is a highly credible way to boost a system approach. And one of the key pieces, actually, that, that really ties into this is the Harvard work that was done Professor Joseph Allen uh, has been such a influential voice throughout this uh, pandemic, predominantly in the US, but everything he says makes perfect sense for the globe. Uh, and they really talk about three main approaches. Increase the amount of air airflow from your system. Increase the level of filtration in your system, if those two uh, points are possible. And then finally, uh, supplement with a portable in-room HEPA filtration system. And, and that's really what they are, they're continuing to bang the drum on really as, as a credible way of safely re reoccupying these spaces. So what are some of the highlights of, um, for example, the Aeromax, which is your, your, your best known solution? You know, what a bullet point for us, the key benefits of that product? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So, you know, in its most basic form, like I said, good air changes through a good filtration system. You know, there are obviously multiple products on the market and actually many more opportunistic products that have entered the market since this situation 
that can do that or can at least make claims around doing that. I think the first key point for people to be conscious of, whether this is making decisions for your own facility or uh, potentially looking at partnering with brand or manufacturer in order to uh, try and pursue this from a a, a reseller or, or channel perspective is the claims that brands can make related to these solutions are relatively unregulated. You know, I, I can launch an air purifier tomorrow and say this is a 5,000 square meter air purifier. And it might do 5,000 square meters in theory. It might take three weeks to do that, but but it will do it. You know, it will provide the amount of air to cater for that space. So certainly one of the key things is making sure that the room size claims tie back to airflow and that you can credibly, you know, make an air change claim. So all of our systems, whether it's on our, uh, our residential consumer line, personal space line, uh, our Aeromax Pro line, we typically focus on delivering three to five air changes per hour. So that's somewhere between 12 to 20 minutes, every every 12 to 20 minutes, having an, an air pass through our filtration system for the room size. So that's that's key, whatever solution it is that you're, you're looking at. Where we go above and beyond, and, and this was way before the pandemic, in, in some of our development work, working with, with our in-house engineers and, and R&D team, was looking at how can we make this smart, you know, simple, automated, and also how do we really give that feedback as well? So one of the key things that we're trying to address as part of the campaign and part of our global messaging is what makes us the only within this product category. So we talk about uh, Fellows being the only air purification system that can respond immediately to occupancy and air quality levels, filter airborne coronavirus based on some testing that we've done, and, and I can come on to that, and then show you that the air is clean. And it's really the combination of those three things that make us unique, the monitoring and the automated response, the efficacy proof that we've got, and then the ability to give that real-time feedback. Um, So the smart piece, just to go into that in a touch more detail, we use multiple sensors to monitor not only air quality levels and adjust fan speed automatically based on air quality levels, but we also monitor occupancy. And one of the things that this situation has taught us is that it's one thing to respond to an air quality problem, maybe a high particle count or an odor issue, and react to that in order to try and improve the air. But what if that's 30 children running into a classroom or six people walking into a conference room or or two people walking in and making a drink in a breakout area? Then, then what we've learned is that it's people that elevate the risk. You know, more people in a space, more risk, especially during this situation. So because of that occupancy detection, we're able to uh, immediately respond, whether that's a noise trigger or a motion trigger, and proactively address that with our fan speed adjustment. So that's that's been really key for us, is that you really don't have to do anything with the system. It's just going to respond automatically and do all the work for you. And then that, that's all baked into what we call our EnviroSmart technology, which is proprietary technology. And then the other key piece is that feedback that I talked about, that real-time monitoring and feedback. So we have our PureView screen, our PureView technology, again, uh, patent-pending technology. And we take that information from those sensors and we display that in a simple, easy-to-understand way right on the front of the unit. And it's giving that real-time feedback. And that can really address two key audiences. One, it'd be that more sort of technical, operationally-minded facilities individual, an office manager or a facilities person who maybe wants to see 
actual PM 2.5 data and they can see that in real time on the unit or they can actually see uh, what's the sort of percentage life remaining of the filter as well and it will show that as the filter life is expiring but also for that occupant the user of the space whether that's an employee in an office or someone you know using the washroom and a service station whatever the case may be and right on the front of the unit there's a real simple definition of clean and and if the air quality is defined to be clean it will show that on the front of the unit if the air quality is of an inferior level the unit will display that it's cleaning in order to reinforce that it's there to do something and for us this is about really making sure that the business that's decided to invest in this can take credit for the investment that they're making and and use it in a way that not only delivers a benefit technically but also delivers a a message to the people using the space and and really gives that ultimate peace of mind as people get back into these environments as well so that's really been key for us and that's what ultimately makes us uh, unique and yeah high, high technology Fantastic. Well, you certainly know your stuff. Let's talk about reseller opportunity. You know, you mentioned, you know, channel partners. I won't go into asking about your um, t- testing and certifications. I mean, people can uh, investigate that. I'm sure you've got plenty of information on your website. I don't, well, you don't, we don't want to get too technical on this subject, but I do want to find out about how resellers can capitalize on this and work with you in terms of, you know, channel partnering to get this solution, this, these products out into uh, into the mainstream um, corporate and, and, um, and domestic world. I know you've had a significant uplift in sales in the last year, you know, anecdotally from some of your colleagues in America, I hear some pretty substantial sales increases. How much of that has come from working with channel partners and how much of that has been working directly with um, you know, larger uh, organizations? And you mentioned dental practices and hospitals and schools. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, our stance on this is, you know, is consistent with how we would look at any part of our business and, and our channel relationships are you know, fundamental to all of the business that, that we do. So everything has, has ultimately gone through through channel partners. We've done, there's been one or two very, very minor exceptions where we've dealt direct and that's been more on trials or testing situations. But transactionally, our strategy here is 100% through channel relationships. I think what's been interesting to see is, is the variety and breadth Uh, of those channel relationships because this has been purchased into so many different vertical environments and and actually it's been purchased by quite a varied uh, you know we talk about key decision maker kdm you know every sales or marketing meeting today involves typically talking about a kdm but what we often talk about is the dmu the decision making unit the the multiple individuals across various functions within an end user that are looking at this. And it might be, might involve office management, facilities management. It might involve a, a safety individual, a human resources person, procurement, finance, whatever the case may be. And there's quite you know, a, a limited amount of understanding when it comes to the decision-making process of, of this product category. So that variety in, in, in all the different functions within a business that are looking towards these solutions and researching these solutions is really know opened up all different types of routes to market but for sure you know we've seen a, a huge amount of success by partnering with with people within the the office products channels and we, you know the office products channel is is extremely well placed to take advantage of the growth in demand of this product category we uh, collectively as a channel we're we're addressing multiple 
of those decision maker profiles, office management, facilities management. You know, we've seen that with the growth of PPE solutions sold in this space over, over the last 12 to 12 to 14 months as well. And we've seen that demand flow through those spaces. And also, you know, the office products industry, you know, whilst we typically think most about an office environment, you know, we all know that this industry and this channel is not at all limited to just those end, end user spaces, whether it be the education channel, which, you know, we were very happy to announce to the marketplace about that, that milestone achievement of 100,000 uh, of our air purifiers across our range going into education facilities across the United States since the start of the pandemic. And that's been across all channels, but it's been what's been key with that has been our, our channel relationships. And, you know, our, the door is open. We are, whether it's existing relationships or maybe people who are listening and, and thinking about, you know, expansive business opportunities. The key point that I would really stress here is that this is not just a, a spike of demand. Of course, the pandemic has led to a state of hysteria around purchasing these types of solutions. But even today, as we sit here, in right at the end of, of April, vaccination rollouts, you know, are varied depending on what country you're sat in right now. But in the UK, you know, I'd say we're doing pretty well. We're hearing of big numbers from, from around the globe. But the demand isn't stopping. You know, the, the, the switch in conversation now has gone to future-proofing these facilities. And whether we want to hear it or not, I'm pretty certain that we're going to face restrictions for some time. I wouldn't be surprised if we're if we're not sat here in six, eight, nine months and, and facing more similar lockdown situations in, in certain industries. We're already hearing about the hospitality or Hereka uh, industry planning for autumn lockdowns already, assuming that could be a challenge. So my, my, my guidance would be, you know, if you feel like you're well-placed because of your, your reach into your customer base and, and that relevancy of this being a good attachment category opportunity, then now's the time to, to open that conversation if, if we're not already doing that and really figure out how we collectively position this and, and go after this. But yeah, for us, channel relationships, as runs through the, the DNA of, of fellows brands as a global organization, continue to be yeah, critical for us. And of course, these um, these sales of these units are, you know, one time only. But of course, there is a there is a consumable play there as well, which no resellers love. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is a product that you know we we try and keep it simple and fair. You know, it's not a a high touch maintenance piece, but for sure on a, on a depending on the unit on a six month or annual basis, there is that filter change requirement, which is a great ongoing revenue opportunity for those channel partners as well. And in some cases, that might mean a great opportunity to actually look at a service proposition, you know, the, the ability to actually offer to go out and manage those uh, filter changes or automate uh, the delivery of those filters. Or in some cases, it's just as simple as making sure that, you know, that this, the sales teams are well positioned and well informed to really go after the opportunity when the time is right. And that's a great example of something that we're looking to, to really come alongside our channel partners and support with. We're looking to really gather as much data as possible of where the units are and what the right timing is. But, but really the, the goal of that is to be able to help our channel partners go after that 
opportunity at, at the right time based on the, the condition of the unit. My good friend and very well-known industry um, executive pundit Phil Jones from Brother UK will um, will talk to you if you ask him about anything as a service. Um, you know, how do you capitalize on this trend of paying things monthly? You know, we've all got Netflix and we all pay our phone bills monthly and we all, you know, everything's broken down into mon- monthly chunks. Is there a, um, you know, an anything as a service, uh, you know, is there an air as a service possibility with, with fellows you know, or for the reseller community? I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that we typically would look to um, the reseller, the, the channel partner to help facilitate. I mean, they typically they've got their own ways of, of managing these types of propositions, but this product works perfectly for that. I mean, it's one of our advantages is, is the warranty period is very healthy. You know, most of our commercial units are coming with a five-year warranty and there's nothing in our range that is below a three-year warranty. So that's great peace of mind for a service proposition, because the last thing you want is a product that is going to be causing problems out in the field, you know, within the period of a service proposition. And and then really, you know, it's, it's as simple as establishing the, the cost base over that time period. And normally, it's pretty easy to get to a, a fair monthly cost for the end user that still enables great margin potential, even stronger margin potential, quite honestly, but take some of the complexity out of the selling process as well, because rather than talking about, you know, thousands of dollars or euros of investment to put in multiple units, you start talking about a, you know, a $10 per week per unit or whatever the case may be to really boil this down into a more kind of approachable investment but it's absolutely a great way of of taking this to market and we've seen success in certain areas with that exact business model fantastic mike i think we could probably talk about the importance of air quality all afternoon but um, i guess we need to wrap up there fascinating stuff and like you say i don't think this is going to go away this is a product category which i think has got got a lot of legs and you know should drive hopefully a lot of revenue for our industry moving forward. Uh, certainly, it needs it. I want to thank you for your your time today. I uh, wish you well with the continued rollout of your of your many campaigns. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you physically at an OPR event sometime soon. Absolutely, yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and and talk to you today, Steve. And uh, yeah, it will be nice to be able to get face-to-face again sometime soon and, and get back into in, into the room together, as long as that air quality is, is of course, of a, of a good standard. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please join us again next week for another show. In the meantime, though, as always, you can keep up to date with all the latest news and developments in the business products industry via our website, opi.net, or the wonderfully simple OPI app. Just search for OPI Magazine in the App Store or on Google Play. 